Today's episode is brought to you by Cole's Wild Bird. With Cole's line of top quality birding products, your customers get what they paid for, more wild birds on the bird feeder. Launched from the family garage over 35 years ago, Cole's Wild Bird Products is a true mom and pop success dedicated to making your store the place for birders to shop again and again. Cole's believes that birds are like people. Give them what they like to eat and they'll come back and bring their friends. After all, if you just want birdseed, buy any brand. If you want birds, buy Cole's. Thank you for tuning in and downloading Hardware Retailing's podcast, Tell Me More. This is your host, Renee Shagnon. Um, today, we are talking to a very special guest. His name is Cody Geppner, and he is a manager with Blyle. Yeah. Blyle Co-op. Yeah. Based in? In the Yakima Valley of Washington State. Yakima Valley. Up in the northwest beautiful. of our beautiful country. Yeah. So... Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm, First one I'm ever. I'm happy to have you too. I know. Are you excited about your podcast? Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty excited. I hope you're excited to be on it. I am. Oh my gosh, what an opportunity. We're just all excited here. So It's true. Um, so I guess, you know, let's just rip the band-aid off. Tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are. Just yeah, a little yeah. bit like that. So, Cody Geppner, 27 years old. Wow. Isn't that fantastic? Prime of life, really. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it. I really do. But I, like you said, I'm up in uh, Washington State working with Blau Co-op. They've got four retail locations, but they're a farming co-op. So they are serving the farmers of Yakima Valley in a really fun and fresh way. They've got agronomy. They've got energy, water systems. And then they supply wholesale product for tons of orchard and vineyards there in the valley. Um, and they are on the cusp of just leading the farming co-op industry um, through technology and just innovative ways of, of retail. And so it's been really fun to get up there this last six months and help them developing the way that their company runs and uh, taking it to the next level. That's awesome. So for people who might not know you, um, you know, you, you're speaking a little bit about how you've been there for six months now, but your introduction to hardware began long before six months ago, correct? Of course, yeah. So before I was with Blyle, I was actually a part of my family's hardware store. Um, as I was telling you a little bit earlier, it has, my family's business has a history of 175 years. Started as a feed mill down in Southern Indiana, Ferdinand, Indiana, and uh, with my great, 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 like grandparents, seven years or generations ago. Um, of family business and I grew up in it you know doing the whole high school cashier stock boy doing all the fun stuff working as my great-grandparents and grandparents owned it got fired by my mom I mean you know oh my gosh I feel like that's a story we'll have to get yeah. to a little later too <laughs> we might she's pretty proud of that moment <laughs> it was a great lesson but you know I mean so I was in it through high school but I mean growing up real close to the family business I I think a lot of people can relate to the fact that they're always like, I am never coming back into this industry. I want nothing to do with it. Um, good riddance. I, I will do anything else. Um, and that was my battle cry for all of my years growing up in the business. When I wasn't in the business off at of college, um, I actually didn't 
do the family business for longer than I have more recently. I was out in Kansas City for five years doing some performing arts work, um, having a blast out there growing up and doing some cool things. But the opportunity arose for me to return back to the family business and help take them to the next level um, and do some really cool things of bringing their retail into the 21st century. Um, so that's where, you know, it, it really, it was growing up in it. I had a time where I was away, but I made that decision to come back. Um, but earlier last year, they decided to close their business, which opened up the opportunity for me to join another, you know, hardware industry, independent retailer doing some really cool things. Yeah. So what, what did you, if you don't mind my asking, what did you do to get fired? <laughs> okay. This is, this sounds like That's a good like, one, you know, a juicy one. You know, so when you go into interviews, people always ask like, have you ever been fired before from a yeah. job? It might be like one of their tough questions to like try to catch you. And I'm always like by my mother and so what happened was I was like 16 17 years old I had double booked myself with an extracurricular in my schedule I had told my mom who's my manager said look I'm not gonna be able to make it on Saturday I can't work I have this thing going on with school and she said you got to trade you're holding me accountable well so what I did was Saturday rolled around didn't tell my extracurricular coach that I couldn't be there didn't tell mom I couldn't be there. I just kind of thought I'd make both of them work. So I took a extra long lunch, like we've all done that before. Two hours later, I come back to work and my mom's right there in the office waiting to fire me. And uh, she just held me to a next level. I mean, I, it really, at the, of accountability. I mean, it was that moment where at 16 or 17 years old, you're like, what in the world are you doing? Um, but it was a great moment for her, for me now, because I look back at that and it was a moment where I learned that, you know, there are expectations and when you have a family business, um, you know, so many people are looking at your family members and instead of it being, uh, where you're, you know, kind of getting away with more, you're being held to a different standard. Um, but it created a life lesson that I'll never forget and. When now I'm in a management position, I'm having to have those tough conversations. I always refer back to that of, look, my mom fired me and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. And three months later, my grandparents hired me back. Oh, <laughs> so. so you were able to get you, you were able to get back in. Yeah. That's cool. So I guess, um, what, what were the reasons why you didn't necessarily want to stay in the industry and, um, what was it what was it about the new opportunity that made you decide to leave the kind of the things you were doing when you went to Kansas City yeah so family business is hard you know independent retailers they don't have it easy you're a small business you're growing um, my grandparents were running a company with big competition like Walmart coming into the market um, and then you had Home Depot and Lowe's, all these big box retailers coming into our small town market, you know, p competition that we never even thought of before. My mom ran the company in a generation where Amazon went from being an online bookstore to the number one online retailer and just innovating online retail into, I mean, unthinkable ways. And so it was one of those things where you, I think growing up, being a part of it, you, you see how much they struggled, how much, how hard it was for them. 
Um, you know, but our family, they had that strict rule of business stayed at work. And when we came home, sat around the family table, it was about family, not work. And so we had a nice divide between it being a family business and the family, but there was just, there's a lot that goes on with it. And I think growing up, I was just like, look, I, I was very artistic. I was very focused on people. Um, I loved helping others. And I just saw that, you know, I didn't see that being a possibility within the realm of where retail was. Um, the big box stores at the beginning, I feel like it, they were not focused on service. They weren't focused on um, helping the customer. They were just hoping to have enough product and they would run in there, get what they need and run out. Um, so at the moment, it seemed like retail was gonna head in a direction where it was not service oriented. It wasn't about helping people. Um, it wasn't until I went off, did some theater, um, worked in some different management positions within theater that I realized I really, really enjoy um, the hospitality scene, you know, entertaining, being a part of that, and saw an opportunity to bring that back into the independent retailer industry. And I felt like it, when I came back, it was like, oh, other people are grasping onto this concept as well. It was, you know, a perfect fit. Would you say too, because I feel like being in kind of entertainment and, and that type of thing, would you say that translates into retail? Because I feel like it would, you know, you're, you have to think on your feet, you have to um, be able to talk to many different types of customers, I'm sure. Yeah. So how, would you say that kind of your background that you had in theater still translated into what you did with your family business and even what you're doing with Blyle? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's hard for me to not call my team a cast or call the sales floor a stage, you know, when I'm pumping them up or trying to motivate the team. I still have to do some translations in my head. But at the same point, um, when I took the NRHA's retail management certification program, it was within six months of me joining the family business. I was fresh out of theater management. I was thinking that this transition is not going to go well. I felt so out of place. I was sitting around a table of 15, 16 other management, you know, retailers who I just felt so underqualified, so out of place. Um, but through the development of that six month class, I really found that those skills that I had learned in theater, um, interacting with people in new ways, having to be creative in ways that you don't see on the sales floor, but it just brings a different, you know, level of problem solving. Um, and then having to, I mean, I think one of the most unique parts of theater is you have to stand in somebody else's shoes to, to create that character, to find that character and portray them well. You have to understand people in a completely different way. And even though that was one of my biggest fears going back into the independent hardware retailing industry, um, ended up being one of the most beneficial parts because I was able to relate to people in such a unique way. Um, and really, I mean, going from our family business down in Southern Indiana up to Blau Co-op, they are within the same industry, but they're completely different. Our demographics of customers that we serve are completely different. Back home here, we were a true um, hardware store, uh, DIY on the weekends, helping contractors throughout the week, some MRO. Out there, it is totally about the farmer. We're animal health, we're feed, clothing, you know, workwear, um, and then tons and tons of orchard and vineyard supplies. And hardware makes up about 30 or 40% of our product selection. 
And so it's, you know, being able to even translate it originally from the theater industry to a strict hardware store mm -hmm. and then go to yeah. like more of a farm store um, style company. It was another moment of how's this transition going to go, but it's been, you know, a lot simpler um, and led to a lot of great opportunities and connecting with people that I don't know if I would have been able to without those skills that I've learned. Yeah, for sure. So so what what was it like um first of all maybe you can talk a little bit about how you even found out about Blyle and that kind of ties back into you were talking about being in you know NRHA's uh, retail management certification program so I mean maybe talk a little bit about how you even got into the program and what made you want to do that and then how you know everything that happens in life in my opinion it kind of you look back and you see how everything kind of connects together, but maybe talk on that a little bit and how it led you to, to your new company that you're working for. Yeah, because, and I mean, you talking about how things connect together, my journey through the independent retailer, you know, my career uh, is is a testimony to that. I mean, it is one where it, if you would have asked me a year and a half ago when I was taking um, the class, the RMCP course through the NRHA, I would have never thought that I'd be up in the Northwest um, helping them develop retail in a farming co-op. I mean, there's just no way, but that is where the journey has taken me now. Um, I found out about the, the training course um, through hardware retailing. They, I was flipping through it. I loved reading the stories of these different retailers and how they're being innovative, um, seeing what kind of products that are out in the market just changing the way that our customers are shopping. Um, and in there, they had a full page of come learn at the RMCP, take your company to the next level. Um, and that's really what the family business was in the process of doing. They had gone from my grandparents' generation to my mom's generation in the early 2000s. We were looking at making that generational transition again. Um, but knowing that I came from theater and knowing that I, I was new to the industry, I knew I needed to do some kind of training to get me kind of re-immersed. Yeah. Um, and so it, I contacted NRHA, um, knowing I was so green, only less than six months in the company that we were all a little hesitant of, you know, yeah. this. it's such an intense training. Mm -hmm. um, but we said, let's go for it with the family business being, you know, so close to who I was and I'd been in it growing up that, yeah. you know, I may have had some experience that I could bring into it. Um, and I think that led to some of my uh, doubts of going into the class and going, I haven't been in the industry for over five years. Um, I'm new to this. We have a lot of ambitions for the family business, but here we are. Like, am I going to fit in with these other qualified people? Um, little did I know that when we started that class on the other side of the room was a gentleman thinking the exact same thing, but he was in a different part of his career. He was coming towards the last 10 to 15 years of his career, but he was thinking the exact same thing in this class, just thinking, I am so unqualified in retail. Um, I don't know if I fit here. Yeah, I've had a successful career leading up to this. Um, and he was actually from Blau Co-op as well, but they were just taking their retail into a completely different direction as well. And he was gonna be the catalyst for that. Um, so through those classes, him and I just connected in a different way, me being one of the younger ones, him being one of the older ones, different parts in our career, but being able to connect um, 
in a way that we both kind of had that those doubts, but then realized, no, we can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really, I mean, it was a connection that we made. The whole class did. Um, it just felt like Russ and I were kind of on that next level. Yeah. Um, we wrote an article about it too. <laughs> yes. What a fun <laughs> one. Um, but I mean, it's true. You know, you're all the way across the country. You're, you get to see each other a few times a year through reunions or markets or, or events through the NRHA. Um, but it was, we always did. We always made sure to connect through social media or over the phone just to hear each other's voice and see what we're up to. Um, and so that's where I was during the RMCP class. I mean, and it really was six months of doing three visits in Indy, connecting with my classmates, doing intensive work, but stuff you can manage while you are managing your store. And it's, it takes you from having little to no understanding to having a full understanding of how you can take your business to the next level. Um, I saw that for us, that was our experience. I saw that for every other student that was in the class, and then especially Bio Co-op was getting that same experience. Um, and it wasn't until we were doing the presentations in our third visit that um, I was presenting it, showing everybody what we had been working on to take our company in a different direction. And the CEO for Blyo was sitting next to my mom, unbeknownst to him, and he was like, wow, I need somebody like that in our company. And my mom hits him and says, leave him alone, that's my son, I need him in my company. Um, But it just, it was that spark, you know, it was that connection um, that Dan had made of, I want that kind of innovation, I want to take our company to the next level. We had talked a couple of times, my mom kept beating him away with a stick, but then as we made the decision to close our business, the opportunity arose again. He reached out, um, and in the middle of 2018, I got out there to see what their company was really about firsthand, seeing the direction they were taking it, and it led to being able to make the tough decision to you know, move across the country. I was close to family. Um, I really enjoyed what I was doing locally, but it was a great opportunity, and I saw that you know, I could really be a part of something spectacular up there as well. So what was, I guess the the hardest part of that transition for you i think being away from family was the hardest part i mean it you don't realize how far out west you are until you try to come back and it takes you a full day even flying um i mean it took us three full days to drive out there when i initially moved in august um i mean it is far it's not undoable you know if i need to be home if i want to see the family celebrate my sister's 21st birthday i can be back and make that happen um it's just it's a long way and i have family you know they're getting a little older you want to be a part of that um i think so soon after the family business closed to be separated from that. It, we were so close-knit through being with the family business yeah. and outside of it that, you know, being separated in such a huge way was yeah. probably the hardest part of it all. What has been the most, uh, I guess, rewarding in this new opportunity? And like, do you feel like some of the things that you brought with you from your past experiences translate and maybe you're bringing something to the table that they didn't have before? You know. The whole process has really, really been rewarding. There, I mean, we are at a time right now, I truly believe, with independent retailers where they're having to make some of the toughest decisions in their entire business, um, probably their entire history of their business, um, where they're having to decide how do we stay competitive in new ways where our margins are dropping but our sales need to increase. 
Um, and our customers are shopping us in new ways as well. They want to trust us in ways that they haven't since my great, great, great grandparents own the company. Um, and they want the experience, you, you know, when my grandpa owned the company, they would walk through the doors and they'd ask for Keith. Hey, can Keith help me in the nut and bolts aisle? And he did. I mean, he helped every customer that would come through the door. Everybody else was just around to work. Um, now, in order for businesses to run, they have key employees that are, you know, just excelling at customer service where they can come in and ask for whoever's on the floor and get the help they need. What our customers want, though, is that trust that they are getting that supreme customer service um, from every single person they encounter. And that is what they deserve. And so to bring that, you know, that was our mission. I mean, just that customer service is what sets independent retailers apart. And so in our family business, that was our mission. At Blau Co-op, that is our mission. Um, and it really, I truly believe, should be the mission of every independent retailer out there right now. But it's hard. It is so hard. You have to dedicate yourself to training, um, dedicate yourself to empowering your people in new ways, trusting them in new ways, um, maybe compensating them in new ways. Um, and the other retailers, big boxes, they have the capital to do that and not even sweat about it. And so it's a point where we have to be creative. We've got to um, find new innovative ways to make it happen. And it's fun. I mean, being a part of the NRHA, you get to come back and see, you know, connect with people who are doing it and who are really rethinking or reimagining retail um, and doing it successfully. And so it's a, it's a really neat platform mm -hmm. um, to be able to connect in that way. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like that has been a great reward to know that seeing that journey and those key retail um, parts, you know, of putting a company together are true in any facet of a company. Definitely. So being in the in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. Northwest. Northwest, excuse me. Edit that out, Kevin. <laughs> Don't edit that out, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> so being in the Northwest, I'm a little directionally challenged. Um, you're in the heart of Amazon land. We, yeah. I so mean, it's in our backyard. what has that been like moving somewhere where, I mean, Amazon is really, it's way beyond Washington at this point. It's, yeah. It's everywhere. I mean, it's in your, it's entering into people's homes, basically. So, and as a millennial, what what would you say your kind of like thoughts are on Amazon? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you have an Amazon Prime membership, but it's like, does it ever worry you seeing um, the reach that Amazon has? And how do you think independents can say, okay, you're doing this thing, but I'm not going to try and be another Amazon. I'm going to do this. Or like, what are your what are your kind of takeaways on on the whole conundrum? Because I feel like it's a big buzz it, topic in our industry. And it has been for so long. I, yeah. I think the reason it's such a buzz is because they are so unpredictable. Just when you think that they want nothing to do with brick and mortar, they buy Whole Foods. Just when you think, okay, that's enough. They're in the grocery industry they toy with the idea of buying target you know i mean or combining with i mean it's you're always hearing what is happening next how are they innovating they're going to you know jeff bezos is taking them into space it's taking them into new ways of thinking and drones i mean it just hasn't stopped in the last five to ten years amazon has been the leading 
retailer, in my opinion, I mean, probably everybody's opinion, at least in America, for five to 10 years. And so it has created this buzz of what are we going to do to combat Amazon? And honestly, I think that is a good question, but at the same point, it's one that will end up ruining a lot of independent retailers because if they're focusing on how do we beat Amazon, how do we do that better, how do we do this, they're not staying true to who they truly are and what they can truly do. To me, I think they need to look and see what do we do different from Amazon and how can we capitalize that's on huge. that. That's huge. I think that's a huge And point. I think it's it's that mindset of Amazon, they are, they're going to get into our industry. They're not in hardware retailing right now, but they will. I mean, they, they are, there's money to be made there. There's money on the bottom line that we aren't taking and, and somebody is going to. Amazon is smart enough to come in and do it. We have to face that fact, if, at least that's my opinion. Um, but they're not going to be able to do what we're able to do whenever we're connecting with customers. And that trust factor is really going to take these independent retailers to the next level. I'm a millennial. I can't imagine living my life without Amazon Prime. I, I just, yeah. I can't. Um, there were things that when I was DIY remodeling houses, I would order it off of Amazon. And I had a hardware store right down the road. But when I couldn't um, when I could buy a faucet for less than my cost through a wholesaler, you know, as a business person of remodeling a house, what was I supposed to do? Yeah. Other than it opened up conversations since I had a connection with those vendors mm-hmm. to be able to say, hey, I am not going to put your product in my store if you're giving Amazon this huge discount. Yeah. It opened up those conversations and a lot of them had great responses of, uh, we don't want them undercutting our more brick and mortars so we need to know about that yeah they were willing to have that conversation um but you know it i use amazon i probably have an amazon package come to my door at least twice a week i mean yeah. it is the the convenience of it um it, and now when i went to washington it's like one day delivery i mean it is I mean, on sundays they're delivering yeah. packages it's just there's Anything I need when I need it is going to be there. Um, what do you think is a lesson that a retailer could take instead of focusing on, oh, there's no way I can be Amazon, but what are what are some ways they can maybe take nuggets of what Amazon does and make their businesses even stronger? Because I think a lot of times if you look at what someone else does and say, how can I do my own twist on it? I mean, yeah, that, and that's it's a great point as well, Renee, because there's a lot that Amazon does well that can be you know, copied or, you know, be utilized in your own stores. Um, I think the first thing is the convenience of it. Make it easy for your shoppers to shop. The other thing that I think Amazon does better than anybody else, and you could probably agree with this, you're on Amazon to buy one item. And before you know it, your cart's filled with 10 other items that you didn't even mean to buy, but you impulsed it or it was an add-on sale that they suggested that is where they're winning the market. They're not winning the market for that one item that we went to buy. It's all the add-on sales that they're suggesting. If we get our people to do that same thing, being able to suggest these items that are really going to make their project so much easier, so, you know, improve their quality of life, you know, you can't lose. Yeah. The other thing that Amazon's not doing is they're not investing in their communities. Mm-mm. They're not at all. So many people are spending marketing dollars in places outside of their community. But I truly believe if they would take 
a majority of their marketing dollars and start pouring it back into their community that their community would commit to them. They would trust them in a really new way. Um, and they would end up seeing a return on those donations or whatever it would look like more than marketing dollars. Now it, it's a combination, you know, you have to really balance it out, but that is one thing that I see Amazon not doing. Yeah. Um, they're really, really not giving back to their community. And would you say, I mean, and I know one of the things a lot of retailers say is what helps set them apart is their customer service. And sometimes that can be a little, you know, everyone says that, but at, at the same time, it, it is in many ways, I think, true, because if I order something or something goes wrong with my Amazon package, I'm, I don't have a person that I can physically connect with and say, hey, this didn't go right. So do you think that that's something that retailers can't, I mean, obviously you want to continue building upon your customer service, but is that something that you can't, um, you can't avoid training or focusing on some of those things? Yeah, it, it is absolutely necessary. I truly believe as an independent retailer, if you don't have training, if you don't have product knowledge, if you don't have continual training um, for your brand new associates to your most veteran associates, you will not last. I mean, I will, I'm the first and I will always advocate for training. Um, I just believe it's that important. And that customer service is the niche market that independent retailers really do have a hold of. However, we have to be careful because there are big boxes that are now saying, look, we're going to invest more money in people so that our customer service can raise as well. We're seeing those articles pop up all the time. Yeah. And so it's something where we have the market on customer service now, but again, they are going to come and say, we want a piece of that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, we just have to be smart. And we are, to me, my family having a business, even though it's closed now, but being successful for 175 years, that says a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, let's see how many retailers are actually alive that long. I, I mean, look at Macy's, look at, I mean. Sears. Sears, look at JCPenney's. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them are really struggling to compete in a new retail market. Some of these independent retailers, you know, we were proud of 175 years. There are others that go beyond that. I did a story last year on a store uh, that had been open, I believe, since like 1740 or something just crazy. Holy cow. And it's owned by the same family. I think they said they were like 12th generation. Yeah. So it's just, I think, I, I, I would agree with what you're, what you're saying. We're going to take a quick break from our interview for a message from one of our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Sacrate. Are you looking to add quality concrete mortar and stucco mixes as well as repair and specialty items to your product lineup? Sacrate provides the tools you need to run a better business, whether that's through exceptional customer support, sales and marketing tools, varied product assortments, or just finding reliable products. Sacrate offers knowledgeable retail experts that understand the needs of your store. To learn more, visit www.sacrate.com slash hardware retailing. Last night, we had the RMCP. Um, there was an event that went on, and it was kind of celebrating all the students and all the hard work they did, and you were a sponsor for a student this year. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we talked about was, you know, having faith in 
in the journey and and the hardware industry um and how do you think that people if they're feeling like am I doing the right thing or is my business going in the right direction? How can they kind of refocus themselves? And would you say, and not to plug NRHA, but would you say that it's an opportunity to kind of bring people who have those same thoughts and fears and and things they're working on, bringing like-minded people together regardless of their wholesale affiliation? Yeah. I mean, do you think that that's something that kind of can help strengthen you in numbers? Well, what a special moment we all got to witness last night. I mean, to see these young retailers between the ages of 20-something and 50-something celebrated for their accomplishments of dedicating themselves to not just their company but the industry in a new way, learning the ins and outs of what it takes to be innovative, to be a leader in the industry. Um, it For me to be a sponsor this time was really exciting because I got to not just help mentor or cultivate that, but to experience mm-hmm. that evolving, you know, spirit that she had, you know, from the beginning to where she's at now. And, I, and this is just the beginning. I mean, this is her taking the next step of how she can really bring some awesome things to the table for Blau Co-op. I saw that for Wilco. I saw that for, I mean, all of these different companies that were sitting around those tables last night. And to me, that was one of the most special moments. It was the faith of the journey. And I, it resonated with me because April of last year, my family closed their family business. And when I left closing the door for the last mm-hmm. time, you're going, oh my gosh, that was 175 mm-hmm. years that I just closed the door on. It was tough. I mean, yeah. it was it was truly one of those moments at, at the time I didn't know what was next. My 10-year plan was I will buy the business from my family, I will continue to grow it and this is where we're going. Now in that moment of making the decision, I had to have an understanding of it's not my decision to make. That is still the generations before me and that's what ended up leading into those decisions, but it was still very real for me of mm-hmm. how what I love this industry. I just grew so much in the last year with the NRHA, with some peers that I would have never met in any other you know, way. Um, it was one of the hardest moments uh, in my recent years, going, what do I do next? Uh, what direction do yeah. I go? And yeah, at that moment, I had, Blyle, we had, had been, been having conversations since the, our last class when I had met Dan, but nothing where it it was like, oh, that's happening. No, I mean, yeah. at this moment, that was in March, April. I didn't start having conversations with Blyle until May, early June. Mm. So there was, I mean, that was the moment of turning the key, locking it down for the last time and going, what's next? Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I didn't know. I, it was one of those moments we were standing there. You turn around, you walk to your car, and you say, all right, well, let's figure this out. And that was a moment where I had to have the faith that, you know what, this isn't what I ever expected or where I expected this to go. It was not easy. Um, But I knew in what I had learned in the RMCP, um, the, the connections that I had made, not just with my peers, but with the, the leaders in the class, with Scott, with Rob, with Will Davis. I mean, those were individuals um, that truly invested themselves into me. And they're doing it from a standpoint where they want to see 
the independent hardware retailers thrive. Take this industry to the next level. Um, and that was a moment where I was going, holy crap, I failed. This, yeah. th- this didn't work. But what I realized was that what I had learned in that class wasn't limited to those four walls of our family business. Mm-hmm. It was so much more. And when I had opportunities to continue my career and through different avenues, other industries, it was always so hard for me to say, yes, I, I, I'm comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, and they were great opportunities. It, it would have been so easy. It was back into hospitality, other mm-hmm. ways that I was able to connect with people um, and make change. But there was something that really stuck with me of wanting to still uh, be a part of the hardware independent retailers. And um, and that's truly what, you know, it was a hard time, but it led to me being able to join a really awesome company. Um, I remember going up to Washington to see what, the, when I went to see what the company was all about. And I was sitting down uh, to dinner with a few of the executives and I told them, I, I'm at a place right now where I just left the family business. It, it, it left me. I mean, like yeah. it, it's no longer there. I was able to commit myself to that family business for two, two and a half, three years in a way that I don't, I don't know if I could do that with another retailer yeah. or another company. I want to be somewhere where I can be passionate. And that's where I think a lot of millennials really are in the generation. They want to work somewhere that they can be passionate, that they believe in, um, where they're not having to sell something they don't like or you know think that's helping in any way they want to have a purpose in what they're doing and that was a conversation i had with them around that dinner table was i am coming from that uh, world where i can make a difference the next company i work with i want to be able to do the same thing and it ended up being that fit that's what they were looking for it's what i was looking for and i don't think you know i don't think i would have found that outside of the independent hardware retailing industry I think, uh, I I mean, I know I didn't in the short Mm -hmm. period of time that I was searching in other avenues. It wasn't there. I mean, there is a heart that comes to those independent retailers. I mean, from these managers that we saw last night uh, cultivating their, you know, their learning in in their own leadership styles um, to top executives in some of the biggest companies in the in the country right now yeah um all of them were coming together and just innovating and listening and learning from each other and wanting to take it to the next step i i don't see that happening anywhere else and that's why mm-hmm. even though that felt like the end you know it, in that moment it was like what is next it for me again was truly just the beginning of being able to b- make an impact on this industry in a new way definitely well, that was a great answer. Um, <laughs> Long-winded answer. I'm good that for was great, though. <laughs> um, so I guess we've talked off of off of this recording a little bit about you know your personality and different things like that. Um, how would you say like not just yours specifically, but any retailer? I mean, I personally have found personality tests and different things like that where you can kind of see what your coworkers are similar to. Do you think that kind of stuff? can help you and your colleagues figure out, okay, this is how this person responds or like, I know this is kind of off topic, but I mean, from a management perspective as someone who's leading people, do you think it's beneficial kind of having an understanding of who this person is that you're working with and how to best work with them? More now than ever. I mean, I think the part that 
so many people forget in business is you're working with people. We're yeah. all human beings and we all have, the only thing we want to know or to be is to be understood. Yeah. We just want to be given a chance. And to me, when you know somebody in those ways of the Myers-Briggs or the DISC or in the RMCP, they put you through this entire um, character yeah. course to understand yourself even more. Um, the qualities of who, what makes you who you are. Going through that does nothing but help. I mean, from a management standpoint, yeah. from a peer standpoint, it truly lets me understand the person that I'm interacting with as a human being, not as a manager, not as a coworker or an employee or the custodian. It, it puts them with, this is how I can relate to them. This is how I can value them as a human being. And I think that in business, that's what's the most missed. I think so many times mm -hmm. we're saying you're a worker, you need to be here nine to five or your work hours, don't be late, don't stay long, I'm not paying you. I mean, it's just a lot of times it becomes mechanical, but yeah. when we forget that human nature part of it is whenever you really miss a great opportunity to take your business to the next level. Well, this has been a great conversation today. Um, I think maybe to wrap up, we can have a, a few just little fun questions I can ask you. I've been having fun already, Renee. Well, of course, <laughs> but just some, some lighthearted things. Let's do it. Um, okay, so since we're doing a podcast, do you have any favorite podcasts that you enjoy listening to? Or maybe there's like books that you're like super into right now, you know, I don't know. So I'm reading a couple of books. Okay. Right now, one is about Mr. Rogers. It's oh. called like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's his, I think Tom it, Hanks is going to be doing a, a documentary. Is he? Well, it, his life story is just fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I'm learning so much about him. I, there was a documentary that was on Netflix or Hulu not too long ago that I watched and uh, it was out in theaters and I was just amazed by his story and how radical he was in such yeah. a soft-spoken way um, and always just had the most pure intentions of his work. Yeah. Um, it, it really helped. It related to me on the independent retailer, you yeah. know, professionally in a fun, in a fun way. Um, so I'm reading that. I'm also reading another book that you'll have to like bleep out the title for. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a book called uh, Bullshit Jobs. Um, and it is, it's about in companies, um, how there are jobs that are unnecessary, but yeah. they're, they're there. I mean, the premise of the story follows this guy that he was working for a city and he didn't do anything for six years and nobody knew it. Like they paid him. He didn't <laughs> do anything for six years. And it's this journey of like how in so many industries we've created these jobs to like layers of management um, to help different people, but they're so unnecessary. So it's, just, it's, I like to read a personal book where it's, you know, more for me. And then I like reading a book about, you know, business or anything like that. And that's my business book right now yeah. where it's like, uh, it's just talking about the efficiencies of workflow and yeah. don't, you know, don't make it messy. Don't make it crazy. Just get the job done and have the right people in place. Definitely. Would you say that like for me, I don't necessarily read as many books right now, but I'm very much on an audiobook kick. And I feel like it's personal development is huge. And as a as a business leader, I mean, you it's you can joke about it and be like, oh, what are you binging on Netflix? But I do think that binging on, you know, books and things like that is 
as weird as it might sound, it helps you kind of think of things in a new way. So even learning about Mr. Rogers, maybe you're taking bits and pieces from that story and applying it in your own life without even realizing yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some professor or doctor out there that can tell you like your brain is being used in different ways between just binging Netflix or Hulu than when you're reading. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're activating different parts of your gray matter in like yeah. very important ways <laughs> in, in reading or even listening to an audiobook. Um, but that's, I mean, I love doing that, whether it's personal, work, professional, relating it to what can I take away from this? What do I need to know where I'm at right now in my journey to be able to make a difference Definitely. because there's nothing too small or too big in being able to do that. Um, and I, I podcasts are right there with me. I mean, there are great podcasts out there for any, I mean, millions of them mm-hmm. um, for if they're, you're at any point in your life where you're saying, I don't know how to move past this, whether it's financial or relational or in your professional life, there's something that is out yeah. there, some kind of advice or some kind of story that maybe you can connect with and have a better understanding of how to, you know, go the next direction. Definitely. Um, what would you, if hardware stores didn't exist, let's say everything was pre-built. How sad. I know, but if there was no hardware stores, no okay. Lowe's, no big box, nothing. Yeah. It's not even an option to work in home improvement because yeah, no, homes yeah. are just there. Okay. What would you do? What would be your like job, you know, in a world where they don't exist? So we don't have hardware stores. No. There, I mean, what is a hardware store? Exactly. It's, it's that vocabulary doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> Very One, far-fetched, I know. I mean, but. yeah, but like in how sad. One. Two, I think, too, I've always grown up saying that I'm going to be the president of the United States. Like, can you imagine? And then if we have it on film like, from this conversation. We're not, not being film. filmed, Renee. But <laughs> Cameras are everywhere, but, I'm just saying. It's true. But can you imagine, like... President Cody Gepner. I mean, I think there's like slightly terrifying about that, like, yeah. but also really exciting. For sure. Um, so I definitely would love, I think someday I could see myself in like public service. Yeah. Um, but it, even if there are hardware stores, but I also think like, say hardware stores are totally out. Yeah, I can do the public serving because it's fun and it's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think like going back into the th- world of theater yeah. would also be, you know, really, really exciting. Yeah. There are things I miss about it. I mean, it's a totally different industry. Um, but I mean, that might be fun to get back in there and yeah. do some stuff there. You could do some stand up on the weekends. Can you? Oh, I would sell out. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or we could do a stand-up duo. <laughs> that would be it. I'll just have to fly out That's there. what your next podcast should be, like 2.0, yes. after hours. <laughs> Definitely. This is our <laughs> limited edition. Yeah, well, we can have a we can have an exclusive one that people have to pay to download, yeah. right? <laughs> Extra 99 cents and you can listen <laughs> exactly. to stand-up. They will ask for a refund so quickly. <laughs> uh, what are some like big things coming up for you that you're excited for? This is kind of like a that, wrapping it up. Yeah, like mm, the next step. I mean, this at Blyle, it we are doing some really, really innovative things. We just opened a brand new store that is unlike anything I've ever seen in the farming co-op retail uh, world. Um, so that we're do a grand opening in March for that. We're also implementing a full training program so that we can build it from the inside out. Um, really invest in our people. Um, and we're going to continue to develop the retail in some really fun ways. But 
Um, we're connecting with some partners in the industry, um, and it's going to be fun to meet with some of them in these first couple of quarters of the year. Uh, and then I've got a family wedding I'll be back in the great oh, state fun. of Indiana for. So I've got, you know, a fun few months. I just got a brand new puppy, so I'm oh. going to be... Now, what's your puppy's name? excited raising him. His name is Oakley, because the first night I got him, he ruined a pair of my Oakleys. Oh. But I still kept him. How nice. But he, he means more to you than the Oakleys did. <laughs> yeah, he's still around. They're not. So that says a lot. <laughs> but he his name's Oakley. He's a mini golden doodle. He's so cute, mm-hmm. and he's fun. It's like having a child. It's... Well, any parent that's listening right now is like, shut up, Cody. It's nothing like having a child. But like for it's me, your first taste of it. me being 27 and single, it's like, yeah, it is a child. It's responsibility. For me. Yes. And like you came he goes, here, you had to find someone to take care of. Him. Yes. And my uh, so I have an employee that is watching him right now and they just they absolutely love my dogs. I have two of them, Oakley and Jack. Do you bring them into the store ever? All Are the you time. allowed to? All the time. Well, I we guess are, that would make sense. You're a farm. It's a farm store. Yeah. We're pet friendly. We don't like the kids coming around, but we love the animals coming around. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, I mean, we have, so I bring my dogs constantly because it yeah. can be long days. We have long meetings and stuff. So I want to bring them in and they run around. They have fun. They stay in the office and sleep. I mean, we have people like Katie. She mm-hmm. had one, our, her and our events coordinator they raise goats so they bring their like kids in their babies goats have you sorry to interject have they ever done or have you guys ever considered doing goat yoga at your store because i've been to that all the time and people talk about it like they're like we have to do goat yoga you've done it i've done goat yoga in indiana broad ripple to be specific but yeah (laughs) is it still a thing it is there's another uh event coming up that's going to be rabbit yoga in indiana now, I'm not a, I'm not I a, left Indiana at the worst time ever. Definitely. They're having all of these innovative, <laughs> fun activities. I like know. what what do you enjoy most about out. living in Washington? So <laughs> I don't just live in Washington. I live in the wine country of oh. Washington. So in my backyard, when I'm driving to work, I see orchards and vineyards and hop fields. And so like I have some of the best wine, some of the best beers in my backyard. And so Friday, Saturday nights, they have live music coming to the Mm. vineyards or to the wineries. And um, it is just a really, really amazing atmosphere. You know, I've been to Napa. I've been to Sonoma Valley. um, And and they they have some charming aspects of them as well. But to have that same charm and uh, ability in your backyard has been really fun to explore. Well, and your business sells to. Yeah, I mean, and so it really, it's fun. I mean, so it's it's really fun to kind of see the end product of what you're selling them. Yeah. I remember doing a, a employee dinner one night, just like an appreciation dinner with my team. And we went out to eat and we ordered a couple of bottles of wine. And as they were pouring it, they're like, oh, this is good. Like, we enjoy this wine, you know, whatever. <laughs> I've never met a wine I didn't like. But, <laughs> um, so they're like pouring it and I said guys you need to stop and realize that your hard work is in that bottle of wine wow, that's so cool. and they look at me and like what are you talking about and we looked on the bottle and it was a, a Washington wine and it was from one of our biggest growers in this everyday restaurant um, mm. that they have back here in Indiana I mean they are they were able to indulge in a wine that one of our customers was making um, and it wasn't until that moment that they really were able to feel that value at a next level, I think. And so it was a really neat moment for them to go, wow, you know, our work is going towards something. Definitely. And, you know, we don't do the hard work that the farmers do. I mean, they really, really 
um, do some incredible work um, in those fields. But to just even be yeah. a, a part of that yeah. um, and to be able to appreciate that in that moment was really fun. Cool. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I have any other random questions up my sleeve, but is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you just, you know, this is your moment. Get it off your chest to the the rest of the retailers listening. I don't even know when I'll be 45, 46, but definitely like a vote for Cody. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, that's a thing. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. So, like, anything's possible. Well, (laughs) almost anything. Yeah. But I mean, no, I mean, it's just been, I love where I'm at in the journey of independent hardware i think uh every time that i get to meet new people that like we were talking about the event last night there were 18 uh young managing retailers that were being celebrated and there wasn't one where i was going oh good luck you know they were all just so bright and so um intelligent and knowing that we're going to partner together and take the independent industry into the next you know generation or the next you know where we are going to the next level it was really cool and so just keep connecting i mean just keep um pulling together and and relying on each other when it's hard when it's easy celebrate together i mean that is that's it i i really feel like we have an opportunity to connect with each other in a way that other business industries don't Mm -hmm. and take advantage of that you know really really it's take advantage of it it's hard i mean it being able to commit to a class like the rmcp it is a dedication but Mm -hmm. when you're going through it that first visit you're going to go it's worth it when you go through the next two you're going oh my gosh, this is overwhelming with how much this is going to help my business. And for my, you know, my testimony, it it went beyond our business, you know, Mm -hmm. our business closed and I was still able to take what I learned through the RMCP beyond into my career um, and and continue to invest into the independent hardware retail industry. And so I, I just keep going for it. If you're afraid, if you have that risk of, I don't know if I can take that big of a risk, you know, just that worry, go for it. Take that leap of faith and believe that the journey's worth it. I mean, it's, yeah, it totally is. Definitely. Well, this has been fun having you on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Today's episode is brought to you by Flexon. Flexon water hoses have been the choice of home gardeners and professional landscapers for over 60 years. Based right here in the U.S., Flexon offers a wide selection of hoses, whether your customer is maintaining their home lawn and garden or they're working with a complex professional landscape. Whether you need a flexible, lightweight hose, a drinking water-safe hose, or a heavy-duty hose with the latest non-king technology, Flexon has the right hose for you. Visit Flexon.com today to find a retailer near you.